1: Well, howdy you there, you all. Welcome to another Span Chillin' episode.
0: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
1: of old Montana Cowboy. I'm your good old host, Merle, and I'm here to share some downright terrifying stories about park rangers, campers, and the deep dark woods that'll have you sleeping with one eye open. I'm a bit shaken as this sighting has taken place tonight, so me, 18 female, and my boyfriend, 20... One male. We're walking home from a movie. We got to the point where we normally say goodbye and I walked the rest of the way home and we were standing talking. Suddenly my boyfriend turns to look at something away from me in the distance and he was focused on it. I turn to look at what he's seeing and I see it too. Across a small field from us I see a pitch black creature that was moving kinda side to side almost like a seal and it seemed like it was getting closer but it wasn't moving forward. I asked my boyfriend if it was getting closer, and he said he thought that as well. We both seen exactly the same thing. Our descriptions are identical when we were speaking about it. I was so scared he walked me the rest of the way home when he was walking back home. It was gone, and nothing was there. We'd like to know what it was, or if anyone has seen something similar, we're in the United Kingdom, if that helps." It was the second day of our camping trip, and my friends and I were eager to explore the dense woods surrounding our campsite. We'd heard stories of strange happenings in the area, but none of us really believed them. It was mid-afternoon when we stumbled upon the old abandoned cabin. The door hung off its hinges, and the windows were shattered. Intrigued, we decided to take a closer look. As we cautiously stepped inside, the musty smell of decay and dampness hit us. The walls were covered in cryptic messages and eerie drawings of bizarre creatures we'd never seen before. A chill ran down my spine, but my curiosity was piqued. We decided to stay in the cabin for the night, thinking it would make for an exciting experience. Little did we know what lay ahead. As night fell, the forest around us came alive with inexplicable sounds. We could hear branches snapping and what sounded like growling in the distance. The shadows outside seemed to dance and shift as if they were alive. Our excitement turned to fear and we huddled together, too afraid to sleep. Suddenly there was a knock on the door. We all held our breath, hearts pounding in our chests. The door creaked open and a tall bearded man stood before us. He introduced himself as Jack, a park ranger who patrolled the area. He looked at us with concern and asked us what we were doing in the cabin. We told him about our discovery and he solemnly nodded. Jack revealed that the cabin once belonged to a group of people who worshipped the mysterious creatures depicted on the walls. They believed these predators had supernatural powers and could grant them immortality if they performed dark rituals. The worshippers had vanished years ago, but Jack suspected that the creatures they summoned still roamed the woods. He urged us to leave the cabin immediately, as the creatures were known to be drawn to the energy within it. With Jack leading the way, we hastily packed our belongings and set off through the dark forest, our flashlight beams cutting through the shadows. As we made our way back to our campsite, the sounds of snarling and snapping branches seemed to be closing in on us. Jack remained calm, guiding us through the darkness, occasionally murmuring a reassuring word. Finally, we reached the safety of our campsite. Exhausted and shaken, we thanked Jack for his help. He advised us to leave the area first thing in the morning, as the creatures would likely still be searching for us. We agreed, knowing that we'd barely escaped a terrifying fate. That night we huddled together in our tents. Unable to sleep, we could still hear the distant howling of the mysterious predators, a haunting reminder of the dark secrets hidden deep within the woods. As the first light of dawn crept into the sky, we packed our things and left, grateful for the wisdom of the park ranger who had saved us from a nightmarish encounter. My name is Jack, and I was a government worker sent by United States Administration to track down a Bigfoot that had escaped from a CIA science experiment. I was a seasoned tracker, and I had been chosen for the job because of my years of experience in the deep woods. As I ventured deeper into the forest, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. The trees were thick, and the shadows seemed to stretch on forever. And as the hours ticked by, my unease turned to outright fear. It wasn't long before I caught my first glimpse of the Bigfoot. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. A towering creature with matted fur and sharp claws. It seemed to be watching me, studying my every move with a keen intelligence that I hadn't expected. At first, I thought that I could capture the Bigfoot alive and bring it back to the scientists who had created it. But as the days wore on, I began to realize that the creature was too powerful for me to handle. And then the attacks began. The Bigfoot seemed to be hunting me, stalking me through the woods with a ruthless determination. I was no match for its strength and agility, and I knew that my only hope was to outsmart it. But as I delved deeper into the mystery of the Bigfoot's origins, I discovered a document that unrevealed a sinister truth. The scientists who had created the creature were not working for the United States government, but for a secret organization with its own agenda. They had betrayed me and the entire nation, and now I was caught in the middle of a deadly game of cat and mouse. In the end, I found out that CIA caught Bigfoot and jailed him. This experience left me shaken. I wanted to expose this secret organization. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to the story. The scientists had hinted at the existence of other experiments, other creatures that they had created and released into the wild. I couldn't ignore this knowledge, and so I began to dig deeper, determined to expose any other secrets that the government might be hiding. It wasn't long before I stumbled upon something that chilled me to the bone. The scientists had been experimenting with human DNA, splicing it with that of animals to create hybrid beings that were stronger, faster, and more intelligent than any human. And they had released these creatures into the wild, hoping to study their behavior and learn from them. I knew that I had to act fast before the hybrids could cause any more harm, but the scientists were one step ahead of me and they had set a trap that I couldn't escape. One day, while I was going to work, a dark black van parked outside my home. To cut the long story short, I was captured, taken to a secret facility, deep in the heart of the forest, and subjected to experiments of my own. They wanted to see if they could create the ultimate hybrid, combining the strength and agility of the animals with the intelligence and cunning of a human. For weeks, I was poked, prodded, and injected with all manner of strange substances. I was given drugs that heightened my senses and I could hear the creatures outside my cell pacing and growling in frustration. But despite everything they did to me, I refused to break. I knew that if I could just hold out long enough, someone would come looking for me. And sure enough, after what felt like an eternity, I heard the sound of gunfire and the unmistakable voices of my fellow rescuers, the just man at the United States government. I emerged from the facility a changed man scarred by the horrors that I had endured, but I had also emerged stronger, smarter, and more determined than ever to uncover the truth and bring the scientists to justice. And as I walked away from the facility, leaving behind the horrors of the deep woods, I knew that I had found my true calling, to fight against the shadows and the secrets that threatened to consume us all. My wife and I were traveling to the Smoky Mountains from Ohio on an anniversary getaway. We usually avoid highways in our travels and instead prefer the scenic and slower paced state routes of my childhood. This trip stood out as quite a disaster as we struggled with both the GPS and paper maps while navigating a route I was at least somewhat familiar with. Navigational errors are not our norm and We quickly found ourselves having an uncharacteristic argument that got fairly heated, but was nonsensical. It was like we spoke different languages and were looking at different maps. We eventually found ourselves in increasingly less populated areas and poorer road conditions. For those not familiar with the area, being in central Kentucky, the forest is hilly and expansive, dotted with small towns and the occasional privately owned farm, amidst all the Federal land. We had eventually quieted down, anxiously following the GPS as it cut in and out. Our anxiety grew until the GPS suddenly chimed in with turn left now. I responded by reluctantly starting the turn when my wife suggested it must be a shortcut we were unaware of. Upon completing the turn I slowed, seeing the road took a sudden drop in quality. Potholes large enough to get a tire stuck in overgrown scrub growth on the edges and ominous gnarled vines hanging down. The hair stood up on my neck as it still does right now as I write it. Bringing the car to a stop, I ask my wife, are you sure about this? As I look towards her, no, we need to turn around, she starts to say, but is cut off, almost frozen, staring at her phone. Not in the way a person freezes when terror sends their muscles trembling, but completely motionless, I instinctively slam it in reverse, backing into the position we came so that I could continue the course we were on. As we reached the end of our reverse turn, I slammed it into drive, but went nowhere as the rear of the early 2000s Lincoln is lifted off the ground. Before I can process what is happening, something charged from the woods to our right. At first, it was a large red blob that moved with a speed and grace that seemed unnatural to its grotesque nature. As it closed the gap it was clear that it was running on all fours, but only partly so. Its forward movement agile but uneven as it irregularly used its arms with its oddly bent hind legs. It was almost like its limbs were growing as it eventually came to stand on its hind legs in place. Its hands on the glass. Up close I could see what I thought was fur seemed more like strands of rotten flesh that grew as thick as a shaggy dog and smelled overwhelmingly of rotten fish and moss. Its hands looked nearly human were it not for the rotten fur and long claws. The face sticks with me as much as the smell, being somewhat shaped like a human that has its face twisted and pulled forward in vague canine shape, with large pointed ears toward the top of its head. Inside its snarling mouth were long, narrow teeth that looked almost too large to close. But the eyes were the worst part, bloodshot and yellow. They leered at my wife with a hunger, the kind of hunger that promises unspeakable things. When you are in a flight or fight situation, you usually get that distinct moment of clarity where you make your choice even if it's one you are ashamed of. In that moment I felt like a small dog defending my mate from a rabid wolf. I stomped the gas pedal and bellowed hard, Go now, and a series of loud noises that sounded more like barks than human noises. It jolted suddenly, and the rear of the car drops, leading to a loud peel-out. It kept face with us, scratching at the car and banging on it until we broke forty-five miles per hour, driving wildly through the winding country until we saw the lights of a town in the distance. We parked in a well-lit parking lot in the center of town next to a gas station. We busied ourselves as we inspected the car, reluctantly sharing what we thought we saw. She was in tears and sobbing about feeling a pressure in her head, and that she was conscious but paralyzed. Looking under the trunk I spotted a cracked strut and a lump of the rotten flesh dangling from a frame member. The smell was still overpowering and sent us into a tear-filled hug as we stared at a piece of the filthy creature, and realized it was likely at least two of them. The one in the window, and the one that lifted the rear axle of the ground. Thoroughly shaken, we sat in a car facing opposite directions and discreetly unpacked our handguns and hid them under our blankets. We waited until nine or so before setting back off towards our destination via highway, When we were teenagers, a buddy and I were in the woods one night and saw a floating blue light very close to us, northern Ohio by Lake Erie, near Cleveland. We loved walking through at night cause there were always creepy noises and hard to identify animal sounds. That night we saw this blinking light floating or flying in almost a hooked J pattern. It was like watching a lightning bug, but a brilliant blue, almost like in lead. There were no other lightning bugs in season, and certainly no other blue lights. We were very close. It was only a few feet away from us in the dark woods. A bit of moonlight we could see shadows. Or if there was a person with a lead light ballsy enough to sit alone and wait to prank strangers that may or may not walk by. You know, in case that's what you were thinking. We watched them amazement and disbelief for a few moments and then heard what seemed like an extremely high-pitched giggle. Again, young little girl hiding in woods at night to prank people. I don't think so. Which then we both ran out of the woods as fast as we could. Anyone know of any blue bioluminescent flying, giggling insects in North America? So... Let me start my story by giving you a little background. I grew up and live in West Texas. There's not much in the way of forests here unless you count the massive groves of mesquite trees that are very easy to get lost in. Yes, I have more than once. With that said, my story has nothing to do with even being near the woods or even outside of town. I grew up in a small town of less than 2,000 people. Rural, but still well-defined the city limits, and the streets are pretty well lit at night, so neighborhood kids, my brother. And myself would often play until well past sundown. I should mention that my favorite game to play was Monster, which was basically freeze tag, except you got to pretend you were a monster. I always chose Goatman. And no, you're thinking that I'm going to see the Goatman whilst playing Monster and blah blah. Yeah, no. I only knew about the goatmen because my parents had some friends who lived out in Bumble. Nowhere in the country, and it was a pretty big deal to everyone who lived out there. It was mostly just the two spooky tales of drunk rednecks trying to scare my brother and myself, and we laughed at more than anything. Anyways, that's mostly a coincidence. As I stated before, everything I'm about to write about happened well within the city limits on a Sunday night in July. There was this guy named Kelly who lived in a really crappy, single, wide trailer. Think like the Federal Emergency Management Agency trailers. But this was in the early 90s, and was known for basically being the creepiest person in our neighborhood. He was tall, with curly brown hair that stuck close to his head, and he wore thick, buddy, holly-looking glasses. Now, there were numerous legends in our neighborhood about haunted houses, and a hobo with a butcher knife, etc., But you could have written a book of short stories about the creepy stuff people had allegedly seen this guy do. People said that he dug around in the dumpsters at night, and that people had seen him digging up worms in their alley, examining them, and then proceeding to eat them or put them in his pockets for later. A friend of mine's mom even said that one evening, as it got dark, She saw him walk out into the road where someone had run over a kitten and then put it down the front of his pants and walked back into his house. The fact that the adults were in on this legend made it the most realistic and scare of them all. Apparently, he once had an older brother named Bo, who was mentally handicapped and lived with Kelly, but I never saw him because everyone said that he just disappeared. He had an old green bike under the carport that supposedly never moved again. Now, even at the age of five, I would like to think I was a bit rational, but I still spread rumors just like everyone else. I practically preached the one about the hobo with a butcher knife. However, I never talked about Kelly because I was legitimately scared of him. The reason why is that one night when another boy and myself were playing alone, my brother was a bit older and was allowed to sleep over elsewhere and had the back gate of our yard open and were transitioning back and forth between the backyard and the alley. At one point my friend Alex made a grunting oinking noise. He asked me why I had made that noise, seeing as it had nothing to do with playing our game, and I sort of shrugged it off thinking that he was just messing with me. Besides, I was eager to get back to playing and it was pretty dim. We had only been playing for maybe thirty minutes or so this way before we heard something make a loud metallic thud in the dumpster. We had just walked back into the backyard, and so we quickly ran to the gate and peeked out into the alley. Limping across the overgrown lot behind our house, we could see a figure moving. I immediately got what I now know as the uncanny valley feeling, even my five-year-old brain having trouble registering the jerky, claymation-like movements. Alex, on the other hand, thought he was hardcore or something because he shouted, Hey! in a very short, commanding tone. Hey! he yelled again. The figure spun around, almost off balance, and began walking back in the exact same jerking motion. Alex had a flashlight around his neck that his mom made him wear at night, and he twisted the lid to shine it at the figure. I still remember it fairly clear. It was definitely Kelly. He stopped when the light came on, and he was about twenty feet from us or so. His hands looked distorted and small, like normal at the biceps, but they began tapering and getting smaller after the elbow. They were drawn up close to his chest, almost like the way a chicken's wings hugged their body. He was wearing flannel shirt that looked several sizes too small, and the sleeves were rolled up just past his elbow. The shirt was unbuttoned, and you could clearly see multiple teeth. His face looked the way it would if it was mashed up against a window, particularly his nose, which was, without a doubt, a pig's snout with two large nostrils. We just stood there, frozen with our mouths open, for what felt like ten minutes. It couldn't have been more than one. "Mm -hmm. Yep. Kelly half-whooped, half-squealed. Eric and I took off, leaving the back gate open. I ran in my house and he didn't stop, so I assume he kept running until he got to his. Needless to say, my parents thought I was being hyped up and panicking because we were playing in the dark alone. But guys, I swear to you, I swear to God that as I sat on the toilet that night before bed, the bathroom window faced the backyard. I heard sniffing at the window loud sniffing and almost A.H.R.M. sound hidden behind the curtain. For the rest of our time in that house, one more year, I had anxiety every time I was in that bathroom at night. Kelly stayed more reclusive than usual after that, and nobody in our circle of friends believed us. The only other time I saw him again was one day when he was working on his roof. His trailer was two lots away or so, and I was in the alley taking out the cat litter box with my brother. He was standing on his roof, looking down at it, as if thinking about what he should do when he visibly sniffed the air and glanced in our direction before hurrying down his ladder and going back inside. So I asked then, What is—was he—? He He wasn't Native American, as far as I know, pale with curly hair, but after learning about Skinwalkers what with the strange speech patterns and the fact that he was doing God knows what in our dumpster and waiting for us to go away so he could run and hide, What the hell was he? I may write some more about our neighborhood in that area, since there were some really strange people. I had been a park ranger for nearly a decade, but I had never seen anything like this before. I was on my usual patrol route when I noticed strange tracks in the woods. They didn't match any known animal species. And they seemed to be leading to an area of the forest that was off limits to the public. As I followed the tracks deeper into the woods, a sense of unease settled over me. Something didn't feel right. The forest was eerily silent, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After a few hours of following the tracks, I stumbled upon a clearing. In the center of the clearing was a small abandoned building that looked like it hadn't been used in years. As I approached the building I heard strange noises coming from inside. I slowly pushed open the door, and what I saw inside sent shivers down my spine. There were strange machines and equipment. That I had never seen before, and in the center of the room was a large, metallic cylinder. As I approached the cylinder I noticed that it was covered in strange symbols and markings. Suddenly, the cylinder began to glow, and I was knocked back by a powerful force. When I came to, I knew that something had gone terribly wrong. I could hear strange whispers in my mind, and I knew that I had been exposed to something that I couldn't fully comprehend. Over the next few days, I began to notice changes in myself. My senses were heightened, and I could sense things that I couldn't explain. And then, one night, I saw it. It was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was humanoid in shape, but its skin was mottled and grey, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. It had razor-sharp claws and teeth, and I knew that it was the source of the strange tracks in the woods. I tried to catch it, but it was too fast. It tackled me, and I went flying into the woods. I tried to get back on my feet, but I was dizzy and disoriented. I knew that I was in grave danger, but I couldn't bring myself to leave the woods. As the days passed, I began to piece together what had happened. The government had been conducting secret experiments in the woods, and I had stumbled upon one of their failed experiments. The creature that I had encountered was the result of their twisted experiments, and now it was loose in the woods. I knew that I had to stop it, but I also knew that I couldn't do it alone. I contacted the authorities, but they dismissed my claims as the ramblings of a madman. And so I remain in the woods a lone ranger battling a creature that shouldn't exist. I don't know how long I can hold out, but I do know that I won't give up until the creature is captured or destroyed. I'm a female, and this occurred two years ago when I was 18. This takes place in Maine. Every summer my family and I go up to camp in Dedham, Ellsworth, Maine. It's about a three-hour drive from my house. The camp itself is about an hour from the nearest town. I've been going to this camp my entire life. My family owns it and have never had an incident like this happen before. I was watching TV in the middle of the night. Both of my brothers and my parents had gone to bed. I heard a noise coming from the kitchen and realized that the dogs needed to go outside to do the business. So I took my brother's two pit bulls and my Affenpinscher, tiny dog, outside after turning on the porch light. I walked around the front yard and I let the dogs off leash. It's so incredibly dark in the woods in Maine that the porch light really only illuminated the porch and nothing else. So I tried to keep an eye on them. I was momentarily distracted when I saw a loon, wild bird, on the lake. When I looked back, I saw that the pit bulls were both looking at something in the woods. I couldn't see what it was, but I assumed they'd seen a squirrel or a raccoon. It was then that I realized I didn't see Alfie anywhere. She's an awfully small dog, and she's completely black. I called for her a few times and heard some soft whimpering right where the dogs had been looking earlier. I took a couple steps in that direction and called for her again, worried that she may have gotten her paw stuck between the rocks or gotten stuck in a snake hole. Suddenly, I felt something moving behind me. I whipped around and looked down. It was Alfie. She'd been staying close to me the whole time. I just hadn't seen her. So naturally, I was thinking, if Alfie is here, what the F is in the woods... I took another step forward, and the pit bulls began to growl. They were slowly advancing and were now on either side of me, looking right into the blackness of the woods. I quickly picked up Alfie and began to back up very slowly. I'm not sure what I thought was there, but there are lots of animals in Maine, and I figured the dogs knew better than I did, since I couldn't see anything. Right as I turned around I heard the most absolutely bone-chilling thing I've ever heard in my life. Coming from the direction of the woods, I heard something someone call Alfie's name. It sounded almost as if it was trying to mimic me, but it was just all wrong. The voice sounded really distorted, and it almost seemed to wail. I freaked the F out and ran inside with the dogs. I had no idea what was out there in the woods. My camp is essentially a log cabin overlooking a lake, and our nearest neighbor, who was also family, lives at least a half mile in the opposite direction of where the thing was. What do you guys think? This happened between 1986 and 1989. My uncles and cousins lived in Lami, an area in the extreme south of Porto Alegre, Brazil. My uncle, now deceased, had a small Boteco Brazilian restaurant In that region, and at that time, the nearest neighbor was more than a kilometer away. Pasture and centenary trees predominated the landscape. To serve the region, there were two buses in the morning and two more in the early evening. At that time there were rumors that a very large animal, with the body of a man and the head of an animal, had been seen nearby and it was said that it attacked both animals and people. Several people claimed to have been attacked by this monster and luckily escaped. Others swore they had lost an ox or two to the creature. My aunt, very skeptical and dedicated to her children and day-to-day chores, did not like to pay attention to these inventions of the people, as she said. However, one day her disbelief was put to the test. She and one of my cousins were returning home by bus Already in the dark of night, less than ten people were on the bus when, in a certain part of the journey, something very large came out of the bush and hit the right side of the bus and returned to the bush. The crash caused the driver, perhaps out of fright, to lose control and brake sharply, stopping partially in a ditch. Despite the scare, there were no injuries, but people were very scared by that event. The driver got very irritated and left the bus mumbling and cursing, going to check the damage and at the same time calling for help. Being in the dark and still a long way from home, everyone stayed in their places. A few minutes after the driver left, everyone heard a strange grunt which could not be from an animal or human being, according to the witnesses. People panicked and started crowding right next to the conductor's chair. Silence took over the people everyone was attentive to all external sounds when without warning a new knock was given on the same side of the bus. Everyone got up and ran to the other side. Some of the people began to cry and pray. One lady became out of control and my aunt, very afraid, remained to protect her son. At that moment the bus began to be violently shaken as if something or something was shaking the vehicle from side to side. The dread grew as the bus rocked. It looked like it would be overturned at any moment. Looking through the windows, you could see a large figure outside, but you couldn't tell what it was. Without the slightest warning, everything stopped, and whatever was causing it started to make its way toward the front of the bus, where the door was open. At that moment, my aunt was so terrified that she wanted to die and not see what was attacking them. Even before the creature entered the bus, it was possible to smell a terrible, rotten, unbearable smell. Everyone fled to the back of the bus and huddled in a corner, which made them look like a single shapeless mass of people huddled together. Those who had the courage to look, swear to have seen a large naked man with dark skin, a huge goat's head with huge horns and yellow eyes who ran to the turnstile and stopped. He spent a few seconds straining and huffing angrily before turning around, getting off the bus and disappearing into the bushes unbridled crying took over people. People were in shock, totally terrified. A few long minutes passed when another bus pulled alongside this one. Another driver, who was called to help the damaged bus, was informed of what had happened and left to find the first driver who had not yet returned. Luckily, he was walking along the side of the road, returning from the place he called the bus company. The military brigade was activated, and ambulances experts. Radio and television came. The case was covered for a few months with newspaper articles and interviews with the victims. Search parties searched for the creature's tracks, but they were never found. Several theories were formulated about what would have attacked the bus. But nothing is proven. Apart from some dead animals which were attributed to the creature, nothing else happened. Nowadays that region is populated and very different from the time when the events occurred, leaving the mystery of the creature that attacked the bus lost and without explanation.